Thank you, Derek. Thank you, Diana. And as I look out over this congregation, I see a whole bunch of miracles. Those individuals have been saved by, by God's matchless grace. Amen. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a miracle. And uh, how thankful I am this morning that he did look beyond our faults and he saw our need. He met that need through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Amen. Maranatha. Our Lord comes. This morning I want to talk to you about reading the instructions. Many years ago I had uh, preached a series of messages on Francis Schaeffer's book, uh, How Should We Then Live? Maybe some of you remember that. And the series of messages was based on his book uh, that was released back in 1976. And today that is still an extremely important question. How should we then live? The premise of his book uh, was to document the decline of Western civilization and Western culture. It was to demonstrate exactly how far we have fallen as a society from our original ethical and moral uh, moorings. And he thought it was bad back in 1976. Well, I got news for you. Man did not heed Francis Schaeffer's recommendations. Man did not listen to what he had to say. The book, although it was involved in, in to read it, it was philosophical, uh, philosophically written, and it was an excellent book, uh, the bottom line is, I, I can tell you what the bottom line is. The final point is, we have to get back to the basics of what this nation was founded upon. The simple bottom line is, we must return to what was once accepted as our basis for absolute truth, and that is the Word of God. The Word of God. But man has rejected it. Man has literally gone the opposite direction of embracing the Word of God and to the point of refuting the Word of God. We are lying to ourselves. We are not being truthful to ourselves. Not to realize that in today's society, Right has become wrong. Wrong has become right. And Isaiah 55 tells those people who are alive when, when, when right becomes wrong and wrong becomes right and light's put for darkness and darkness for light. Uh, woe, woe to those people who accept that. Folks, we're there. We're there. Um, just on the right end this morning, Faith shared with me uh, something that she, she was reading uh, as we were coming in. Uh, I don't know if you remember or not, on January the 20th, 
the Biden administration issued an executive order that all colleges, all schools, uh, had to uh, allow for transgender concerns. And the bottom line was girls could use the guys' bathrooms and showers. Boys could use the girls' bathrooms and showers. And you can't stop it. You can't stop it. Well, we know that one university sued. School of the Ozarks down in the Branson area, they sued the Biden administration saying that that goes against their principles, their, their whole position on the trans, transgender discrimination policies. They are absolutely opposed to that. And uh, that, that executive order, not legislation, understand we're being ruled by executive orders and I don't care who's making those executive orders. That's not the way a nation is to be run. But anyway, uh, those executive orders stated that uh, children should have access, children, children, children should have access to uh, any bathroom of their, their choosing. Well, School of the Ozarks, and I'm waiting to see if there's any other Christian school that has sued but as of date, as of today's date, I know of no other. And they lost. The School of the Ozarks lost. A judge by the name of Roseanne Ketchmaker, or Ketchmaker, uh, ruled in favor of the government and, uh, so that in all Christian schools, Regardless of your position, you have to allow girls to use boys and boys to use girls, and you can't make a distinction between the sexes, although God's Word does. So if you don't think we're, that rights become wrong and wrongs become right, you're fooling yourself, and you have your head in the sand. And folks, our Western culture, our society is doomed if we don't start standing up and saying something about it. Frankly, I don't hold out any hope for mankind. Of course, I do have hope. Don't, don't get me wrong. I have hope. <laughs> I, I have that blessed hope that the Lord Jesus is coming back. <laughs> but I don't want you to despair either, because i got to tell you something. I'm hoping that what's happened down at College of the Ozarks is going to cause Christian soldiers, the army of Christ, to get so upset and be angry and sin not, to start demonstrating a little bit of righteous indignation against such foolishness, against such sin, that people are going to start seeing the truth. But they're not until we start standing for that truth. But again, don't despair, because there are a lot of courageous and strong families out there who love God, who love His Word. There are dads out there. We have a bunch of them here, and I praise God for that, and I hope every dad, every mother, every child We'll stand together and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
It's time, folks. It's time. I heard someone say just the other day that a church should not get involved in politics. This is not politics. If you think what's happened down there is politics, then again, you're lying to yourself. And I think that's the problem. The church has really gotten good at lying to itself and convincing itself, well, that's none of my business when it absolutely is. Standing for truth, standing for right, standing for biblical principles is your right. And it's time. So that important question, how should we then live? We live according to this. Amen? This is what we base our lives on. I think I shared with you years ago, Bible, the basic instruction before leaving earth. I like that. The basic instruction before leaving earth, and we're all going to leave earth. We need to understand that. We need to realize that, either by death or by the rapture, but everyone's going to leave earth. And this is the owner's manual. See, God created us. He knows us. He knows His creation. He knows how we work. He knows how we think. And He's given us not only His love letter, not only righteous instruction, but He's given us the owner's manual. But see, that's part of the problem. There's that little adage that we've all heard all of our lives. Uh, when all else fails, read the instructions. You ever heard that? When all else fails, read the instructions. Now look, I know it's typically male um, not to read the instructions. There's just something about reading the instructions for me that says you're weak, you're dumb. But I'll tell you, it's a whole lot easier when you read the instruction. Ask for directions, uh, not going to happen. And, and I don't know why that's so typically male, but it, but it seems to be. The point is, a project is so much simpler if you take the time to read the instructions, instructions and follow them when you put an item together. When you're putting something together, you know exactly where every bolt, every screw, every brace, every part of it goes when you read the instruction. Well, it's the same for our lives. Amen? When you read the instructions, when you read the owner's manual, you're going to be put together right. The pieces are going to fit, and more importantly, you're not going to have any spare parts, pieces left over. You ever put something together and when you're done and you look around and there's a bunch of... Uh, the worst part that I've had is when there were bad parts left. And you go, oh, how, how did I over, overlook that? And things just don't work properly if you overlook the parts. Turn with me to Second Timothy. Second Timothy 3. Second Timothy chapter three. 
verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. See, God's given his word to us for a purpose. And here's what we need to realize. If God loves us enough to send his only begotten son to die on Calvary's cross for our sins, if God cares enough for me and for you that he's willing to step out of glory, he is willing to suffer the horrendous death that he suffered in order to buy my pardon. If we believe that he loves us enough to do that, and, and you do, then don't you realize that he loves us enough to preserve his word and keep it and we can read it and we can enjoy it he loves us enough to preserve his word i was meeting with some folks uh, last week some friends of ours uh, and the the husband I, and i i still kind of thinking how did that topic come up well we were sitting out on the patio and we were just talking and, and sharing and he brought up the fact that well he just and he always says this. He always says, well, you know I'm not very religious. And so I know when he says that, something is getting ready to happen or a question. And, and I welcome that because I'll always say, you know, neither am I. But boy, do I have a relationship with Christ. Let me tell you how that works. And so uh, trying to explain the difference. Well, you know I'm not very religious. Um, but I just really doubt that with all the translations that the Bible just can't be true. That it's got to be uh, full of error. It has to be full of untruths or, or mistakes. And we just really can't live our lives based on the Bible. And, and I'm still trying to think of how that came up because that's not what we were talking about at the time. But the, the thing that I was able to tell him, and there was another guy there that was with us, and he was a believer. Uh, he agreed with me as soon as I said, oh, but, but it is without error. It is the perfect word of God. He had compared it to Otter, uh, uh, Homer's Odyssey and the Iliad and, and Shakespeare and why it's just another something that's, that's in, the, in the category of those fine pieces of work. And he was trying to compare it to that. And I just said, look, there's a big difference. The Bible can, we can re read the Bible and receive the words here knowing that it is alive. That's what separates it from any and all other books, all other writings, all other things that have come down is the Word of God is alive and sharper me to it, Lord. That the Word of God is what we share, the Holy Spirit uses to convict. See, I don't feel ignorant for believing the Bible. I feel pity for those who don't. I feel pity 
for those who do not have that relationship with Christ, that they don't have that sure foundation, they don't have the certainty that here we have the manual to us that we are to use as we go through our daily lives. So 2 Timothy 3.16, For all Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Given by inspiration literally means that all Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is given by the inspiration. It is God-breathed. You want to have a comparison, you go all the way back to Genesis 2-7 where it tells us that God breathed into Adam the breath of life and man became a living soul. Let me tell you something. If God can breathe into what he had just formed, what he had just created out of the dust of the ground, if he can breathe into that lump of clay, lump of dirt, and it becomes a living soul, and I believe that's exactly what happened, as he formed it, as he fashioned it, as he created it, that he can breathe out words to men that are perfect, that are holy, that are instructive to us. Chapter 1. But look at Hebrews chapter 1. This is not a, a message on how we know that the Bible is inspired word of God. Uh, I'm to the point now, so I, I just tell people, it is. It is. And God doesn't explain himself. I don't need to try to explain God. There's a, uh, there's a thing that's called presupposition. There are certain things you just suppose to be true. It's a, it's a form of apologetics, presuppositional apologetics. And I'm, I'm embracing that more and more every day. Uh, just believing it and believing it by faith. But Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God who at sundry times, various times, and in different manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. And as God was speaking, uh, speaking, as God was directing, it was inspired, it was God-breathed. All Scripture is given by the breath of God. We can trust it to be the breath of God. We can trust it to be true. We can trust it to be real. And we can trust it to be profitable. We can trust it for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. I think it's interesting, the word profitable there means beneficial. It's beneficial to you to accept God's Word as being doctrinally true. What is doctrine? Doctrine is basically what we believe about God. Doctrine is sound teaching. I can't tell you how many people I've heard say, boy, I wish you would preach more practical sermons and not nearly as many doctrinal sermons. Not here, but in times past. Because here you like doctrinal sermons. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, you know, practical teaching, that's doctrine. No matter what you teach from the Scripture, 
That is doctrine. It's doctrine that tells us about the attributes of God and the characteristics of God and, and, and all that we know about God is from His Word. It's good for doctrine. And how do we apply, and how we apply that doctrine? And right doctrine is important. And to have right doctrine, it's important that we do what? Rightly divide the word of truth. To be able to distinguish what God is doing at a specified time with what group of people at a specified time and how that applies to them and how we're to treat that. And it's all scriptures given by the inspiration of God and it's profitable for doctrine. But to, in order to understand that doctrine, you have to rightly divide it. And in order to rightly divide it, what does that mean you have to do? You have to study you have to keep your nose in the book. But it's not only beneficial for doctrine, for reproof. What is reproof? Have you ever heard anybody say, judge not, lest thou be judged? Anybody ever heard somebody say that? Anybody ever had that used on you? Judge not, lest thou be judged. See, that's about the only scripture that people know. That one, judge not, lest thou be judged, and, and God is love. God is love, so I can do anything and everything I want to do because God is love. And boy, the world throws those two scriptures at you uh, as if that, that's all they know. Look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, just so we make sure we know what that scripture is saying, because that's the scripture they're always quoting. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, here it is, judge not that ye be not judged. Look at verse 2, and they don't know verse 2. For, what, for with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Based on what? The Word of God. The Word of God. You need to understand that this is not saying, do not judge, but it is a warning that if you do judge actions, you're going to be judged according to how you've judged. And as long as you've judged according to the Word of God, you're safe. You're safe. Uh, look at Matthew 7, verse 20. And verse 15 says, Beware of false prophets. How are you going to know somebody's a false prophet if you don't know the Word of God? If there's not the element, element of judging involved in, how are you going to know? That's why it's important to know the Word of God. But look at verse 20. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. I've told many people that I'm not judging you, I'm just fruit inspecting. And the Bible says I can inspect their fruits. 
It's not me telling them what I think is right and what I think is wrong. It's what does God's Word say is right and wrong. How many of you would see a bank that's about to be robbed go over and say, well, they're going in with all their ski masks on and they're entering that bank and put they got guns. And uh, I'm not about to say, oh, you guys are doing a bad thing. I, I, I can't judge. I can't judge. Is it okay to judge in that situation? You see somebody that's about to murder someone. Are you judging them to say, thou shalt not judge? Thou, thou shalt not murder? Thou shalt not steal? Is that judging? Well, I guess it is. What reproof is, is pointing out error. Reproof, reproof is issuing a correction. And that's what the Scripture's for. It's for reproof. Look at, just look right down from verse 16 there in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Look at verse 2. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, there's that word again, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. You know, Matthew 7 says, judge not lest you be judged. But we're also instructed to reprove, rebuke, and how in the world are you going to do that if you're not passing judgment on a person's actions based on the rightness or the wrongness compared to the Word of God? I will never, ever apologize for pointing out that something is wrong, something is against God's character, based on the Word of God. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. It's what the Scripture tells us to do. All Scripture is profitable for teaching and for making corrections. For correction. Somebody once said that the Bible is just a book of do's and don'ts. I'm glad of that. I need instruction. I need to know what to do and what not to do. That's not God's way of saying, I'm going to hamper all of your fun. That is, this is God's way of saying, I love you so much. I am your creator. I know the trouble you can get into. So here is my word that will direct your paths. Hide my word in your heart that you might not sin against me. My word is alive. My word is sharp. I use my word to direct your paths, to be a light into your paths, to be a light into your paths. 
These do's and don'ts are from a loving God. I think I shared with you years and years ago. I remember as a kid, uh, we lived on a street, and at the end of that street was a, was a creek with a, uh, it really was just a drainage ditch is what it was. But all the big kids would go down there by this drainage ditch, and they would jump into the water. It was a mud puddle. And my daddy told me, don't you, don't you let me catch you down there. But I'd watch those big kids, and they were having so much fun, and they were laughing, and my heart's desire was to do what they were doing. And I, I looked around, and my daddy was at work. And so guess where I headed? I went down to that drainage ditch, down to that creek, and I stood up there on that... that uh, the edge of that, what do you call that thing? Uh, yeah, culvert. Yeah, that's it, a culvert. I stood up there on that culvert, and I looked down, and it sure looked a lot higher than I thought it was. But they were jumping, and they were having fun, and so I could hear, don't you go down there. Don't you jump. But guess what I did? I jumped. Now, I don't know who threw that broken bottle down there, but if you ever want to see the scar on the bottom of my foot, because I jumped and that muddy water became muddy bloody, muddy and bloody. And I had to be rushed to the doctor and I had to have stitches and that. And the, what hurt the most was my dad. And knowing that he, see, I thought I could get away with it. He knew better. He knew not for me not to go down there. That's just one instance of a whole childhood life of doing things that I knew I shouldn't do, but I would go ahead and do it. And the consequences, the consequences were usually pretty dire. Had I just listened to my dad and to my mom, I would have saved myself a whole lot of pain that always included stitches and shots and never any cast. That, that was the thing that always surprised me. Never had a broken bone. See, God's, God's word is the same way. God's word is the same way. It's a list of do's and don'ts. But it's for our own good, folks. It's how we please God. That all scriptures given by the inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. How thankful I am for that correction. For instruction in righteousness. Not only does it tell us what not to do, but it tells us what to do. As a matter of fact, doctrine is what is right. Reproof is what is not right. Correction is is how to get right and instruction is how to stay right and that should be what we what we want to do do I need to say that again or you got it but that's pretty good to remember doctrine is what is right reproof is what is not right correction is how to get right and instruction is how to stay right and it's all because God loves us and he desires for us to know his purpose and will for our lives. It's His directions to us 
and how we are to live holy, separated lives unto Him, and that ought to be our goal. Our desire is the children of God. The members of the body of Christ should be to live our lives pleasing to Him. And where do we learn to please Him? From His Word. From His Word. This is how God speaks to us. It's through His Word. But we honest, to be honest with ourselves, I think the most difficult and trying times that we ever have in our lives is when, as Christians, we neglect the Word of God. But I remind you of Psalm 119.11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Someone once said that the Bible will keep us from sin, but sin will keep you from your Bible. Psalm 119.9 says that the Bible is like a cleansing agent to the young man. That's the way God intends it to be. Because He knows we need it. We need His Word. We cannot neglect His Word. God's Word is our instruction in righteousness. It's how we mature as believers. Go to Psalm 119. And we're going to end here pretty quick. But Psalm 119. Let me encourage you to read all of Psalms. I was feeling bad not find Dan and Siobhan's letter of affiliation. <laughs> Using it as a marker. I, I know now where it is. So I asked somebody. say you're using them as a marker so there Psalm 119 start with verse start with verse 10 with my whole heart have I sought thee do you this morning do you seek him with your whole heart oh let me not wander from thy commandments I hope that is the prayer on your heart and on your lips this morning. Verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Verse 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Look at verse 28. I love this one. My soul melts for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Verse 30, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Verse 33, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. You know, just, I hope, let me encourage you to read all of Psalm 119. Every one of these and how powerful they are. I'll never forget. I will never forget as long as I live. Psalm 119, 71. I'll never forget the day that Ada Billings, she called me, and she wanted to share that verse with me. 
Ada that had Parkinson. She wasn't long for this life. She had every reason to complain. She had every reason to be upset with what life had dealt her. I'll never forget when she called. She said, Pastor, I just wanted to share a verse with you. And this is the verse she shared with me. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn thy statutes. You know what that dreadful disease of Parkinson had enabled Ada to do? Spend more time in God's Word. She was rejoicing over that. Folks, that's where we need to get to as individuals in our relationship with God is regardless of what comes into our path, what comes into our life. We can with joy and gladness see God's hand and praise Him in all of that. The law of thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. God's word is more precious than all of that. I have a whole lot more here. But 105, well, 89. We can't, we can't miss 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And nothing's going to change that, folks. The world can go the direction it thinks it's supposed to go. The world can go against God. But I'm telling you, what God says is going to happen is going to happen. His word is settled in heaven, and we can be certain of it. And by faith, we can trust his word. We can have confidence in his word. We can rejoice in his word because it is settled, issue solved because of God's faithfulness. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Somebody ought to write a song about that. I have sworn and I will perform it that I will keep thy righteous judgment. Look at 142. I mean, there's, I have so many here. Before 142, 114. I can't, I can't skip over 114, and Tim's learned not to put up any verse until, because uh, he knows I'm going to change my, my mind. Look at Psalm uh, 119, 114. For those who are struggling, for those that are having issues, for those that just seem to have a tough go at times, you need to realize that God's desire is to be your hiding place. Amen? He desires to be your shield, your protector. I hope in thy word. 142, thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. That should be our heart's desire, is to serve God, to seek his righteousness, knowing that it's everlasting. His word 
is faithful because He's faithful. And we can trust it. It's settled in heaven. No, one more. 160. Thy word is true from the beginning. And every one of thy righteous judgments endures forever. God's word is eternal. And you can trust it. You can depend upon it. And you can stand for it, folks. I don't care what... Well, I do care. But whichever direction the world goes, whatever laws come down, whatever I'm told as a pastor I have to, I have to do or I can't do according to government mandates, if they're contrary to the Word of God, I hope you're my cellmate. And we'll talk about it then. Because this, this is what we live our lives based on. This nation was based on the truths contained in this book. And just because a nation comes along, a government comes along, and decides that they're going to make right wrong and wrong right, does not change my mind about what God's Word tells us. We stand on this. We stand on this. And it's settled in heaven. I'll never... Well, I'm not going to go there. I have to stand before God one day and give an answer. Right? And that answer is going to be, I'm in Christ. I'm perfect in Him. And I live my life according to what God's Word says, at least I attempted to. That was my heart's desire. Have I failed him? Absolutely. Have I tripped up and fallen? Absolutely. But just because I failed, I understand his word has not. And you say, well, I can't understand his word. I can't understand the Bible. Well, God's word says that the natural man, the lost man, can't. Because the things of this book are are spiritually discerned. So the first thing you need to do is what? Get saved. Get saved. Trust Christ as your Savior. Second thing you need to do is you need to find a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. And I have one I can recommend to you. The third thing you need to do is you need to open and you need to, to show yourself approved unto God. I pray and hope this morning that every one of you here, every single person here, you know Christ is your Savior. You know that if you were to die this very day, that you will spend eternity with Christ in heaven. That you know that you are, you've been purchased, you've been made a new creation. You know that for certain. But if you don't know that, let me assure you, you can have that certainty through Christ, who is the Savior, the Redeemer. And He desires to be your Savior, your Redeemer. And what you must do to be saved is to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The work has already been accomplished. 
by him. Aren't you glad? I mean, what could we do to serve such a righteous, holy, perfect God anyway? All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. It all falls short of his glory. But not his sons. And we're in him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning, and as we do, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that it is God-breathed. It is from you. It's for our doctrinal position. It's for our reproof. It's for our correction. It's for our instruction in righteousness. Father, may we faithfully study it. May we faithfully apply it to our daily lives. Father, may we understand that you are our hiding place and that we can faithfully run to you and you shelter us. Father, you supply that every need, whether it be physically or emotionally, spiritually, Father, you meet all of our need according to your riches and glory. We thank you for that promise. Now, Father, this morning, if there's anyone here that's never trusted you as Savior, that I pray that before they walk out of this door, that the Holy Spirit will just move on their heart to such an extent that the conviction power will be so real that they'll understand that they need Christ and that He alone can save them. And by faith believe. Do what you require. By faith believe. Accept that perfect, righteous gift. We thank you for that plan of salvation. We recognize there's nothing, nothing we could have ever done to have earned it, to have purchased it, even deserved it. Yet you saved us to the uttermost. And we thank you for how your word declares that truth to us. And Father, we pray these things in that precious name, that name that's above all other names. The name of Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Amen.